Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. This show sponsored by the Well Coffee House, a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfast and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. More information can be found at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Well, Candace Story Lee is the new Vanderbilt Athletic Director. Congratulations to her. That will be the topic of much of today's show. Our guest line is presented to you by Bowling Branch. Started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified in meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly try them free for a month you can return them but you won't want to once you get the sheets try the mattress that was voted the best mattress of 2018 go to bowlandbranch.com that's spelled b-o-l-l enter the promo code vandy and get 50 dollars off your first set of sheets george plaster joins us of course, George, a longtime Nashville radio personality, Nash- now with Nashville Sports Radio. George, thanks for joining us this morning, and hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. I did, and I hope everybody else did as well. It's uh, it's obviously a special day in our country, and uh, boy, we owe you know the men and women who have served our country so much. We all take for granted the freedom that we have, but yesterday is a day to sort of think about those folks a little bit yes uh, I would strongly second that so best wishes to any military families out there listening we appreciate what you guys do I think your contributions have kind of been lost in this pandemic time Uh, switching to sports this is usually the time that the SEC tournament would have been played over the weekend the finals would have been that is and yesterday being Monday is when the field of 64 was generally announced for college baseball. I found myself really missing those times, George. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I woke up Saturday, that was something that was really on my mind, the fact that, okay, when's the last Memorial Day weekend that I didn't either go see the Braves go watch the sounds play because they would start playing some Sunday night games. And then on Monday, always watch the uh, college baseball selection show. And for me, as a really hardcore baseball fan, Memorial Day's always been considered sort of the, you're one third of the way through the major league season poll. And you can start to sort of say, okay, who's, who's where, who's what, who's serious, who's not. And instead, you know, we're approaching tomorrow, I think it is, 11 weeks of this. Yeah, it it just seems like it's gone faster than I would have thought it would have. But at the same time, it's those little things, those milestones that 
day that the selection show would have been, that sort of thing that really reminds me what we've missed. You know, I feel like I hear what you're saying, but for me, the 11 weeks feels like dog years. Um, it's been just such a, such a tedious process and you, you know, you want to know what's going on, but I've reached a point where I just cannot sit there and watch Fox news or CNN. It, it is so depressing. And, um, so I, I've got to admit, I have not watched as much of this stuff in the last probably two or three weeks as I did in the beginning. Well, for me, it's a little different. I've got a six and an eight-year-old at home, and I've been responsible for a good part of their homeschooling and watching them while my wife works, that sort of thing. And today is going to be a first for me. I think this will be the first time since the week of the SEC tournament that I've been apart from my family for more than an hour. I mean, I've gone to the grocery store. It's been my quote-unquote break. For me, it's been kind of like living in Vegas inside a casino where you have no clue what time it is. It's the same inside the building and outside the – or excuse me, inside the building it always looks the same whether it's 2 in the afternoon or 2 in the morning. And so that's kind of been my world. I think for people – who are not as tied down with some of the things that I am, it's probably been a little harder to watch the time pass because I've just been preoccupied with a lot of other things. Well, I heard you say something that I, I sort of had a grin on on my face. Um, when going to the grocery store is a mini vacation, you know we've got some problems. <laughs> oh, look, I – volunteer within a nanosecond any errand that needs to be run gas in the car pick up something from the grocery store pick up a prescription i mean i'm almost out of my chair before the words are out of my wife's mouth yeah you know it's funny about gas um i saw gas for a dollar 40 in lebanon uh, about three weeks ago and uh and filled up at a dollar forty. We may never see that price again. And that tank of gas basically lasted me for about three weeks. I think I have filled up my Mitsubishi Endeavor, which is my car. I want to say maybe twice in the last two months. It may just be once. We went on vacation, took that with us to Florida right in mid-March, and I maybe I've just filled up once since then. I'm not sure. It's twice at the most. It's amazing. And this weekend, we filled up. We got a Toyota Sienna. That's our family car now. And I filled up on 93 Octane at Sam's Club for under $2. That's another thing that may not happen again. Yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts. Right. Well, it's one of the few things we've been able to enjoy. Today is going to be different for me. I'm going over to my brother's house tonight. I have two brothers. We're going to hang out and watch stupid movies tonight. So that'll be my first break from all this. Good. I hope uh, I hope it helps a little bit. Yeah, I think it will. Uh, let's get to sports. The big news since we last talked is that Candace Lee is now the permanent athletic director at Vanderbilt. She has been promoted from interim. That shocked absolutely no one. 
I wish Candace the best of luck at that job. I hope she kills it because if she doesn't, I think the consequences for Vanderbilt are going to be pretty disastrous. Yeah, she steps in in a really interesting time. Um, not to throw a shameless plug, uh, she'll be on our show today at 3.05 on uh, 560, which is WNSR on the AM dial and 95.9 on FM. And you can listen on the app at Nash Sports Radio. Um, yeah, this is to the surprise of nobody. I guess uh, the day that it was announced, I asked you on the air if you could find any shred of evidence that they talked to anybody else. And like me, you couldn't really come up with anything. I guess it's possible that they have uh, interviewed somebody else, but I'm certainly not aware of it. They've either done an incredibly good job of keeping that quiet or it went down the way we think it went down. Either way, she faces an awful lot of issues at a time where there's so many other issues piled on top of it. Um, You know, she's got quite a challenge. I don't think I've told you this. I have uncovered some audio that somebody McGugan leaked to me of their search. Would you like to hear it? Uh, go ahead and play the dead air. This will be a first time. Hey, would anybody in this building like the AD job? <laughs> that was their so search. This is, this is a Mid-South exclusive, huh? I, I believe it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's, let's start this way. Okay. I've got a list of thoughts. And so if you'll, yield the floor to me for a couple of minutes. Let's just backtrack and look at their history. Uh, They were going to do, quote-unquote, a national search. They told people that at a young alumni gathering. I had a source there. That was the weekend that they got thrashed by Ole Miss in basketball. I also had a booster tour source tell me the same thing that weekend apart from that meeting. So they were telling people actively that they were going to have a national AD search but nothing would be settled till the chancellor took office. You know, that's another funny thing is there's certain things they can or can't do until the chancellor has arrived, uh, and yet they named an AD without the chancellor officially being there yet, although I think he's done a lot to run that school in the last few months, a lot of communicating with people on campus. So maybe I'm splitting hairs there, but it's always interesting to me how they justify what they can and can't do and then do what they want to do anyway. But as for the field of candidates, George, I don't think they were ever sincere about finding the most qualified person for that job. They could have had an AD who had led schools to a Final Four or a college football playoff. I think they instead wanted the person that fit what they wanted the most. And I want to back up and listen or talk about their process for a minute. Let's go back to September 2018th. They part with David Williams in that press conference on September 11th that David led, and they're going to have a national search for an AD. Candace was never a candidate the first time around. They had some super qualified candidates who wanted to talk to them. They never got in touch with them. I was told that they put a premium on someone who had worked or could work in a Vanderbilt-type environment. 
which is how they got Taboo Corrigan, who was the Army AD, would have fit those qualifications very well. As I understand it, Boo Corrigan was basically hired to be the AD, all but hired, had his bags packed and was ready to come and was very excited. And at the last minute, somebody at Vanderbilt pulled the plug, uh, which interestingly enough, NC State had no objections or reasons to pull the plug on Boo Corrigan because he's now NC State's AD. So they then take a hard left, and they hire Malcolm Turner, who didn't fit any of the qualifications that they'd stated to begin with. Again, passed on multiple ADs who had experience, and they took one who'd never done it. Uh, I was told at the time that this was a great move, that Turner would end up being the best hire of any of them because he was handpicked by Nick Zeppos and would be a university partner, would be part of the executive team there at Vanderbilt. So then Zeppos leaves. Within months of that, he and Susan Wente aren't seeing eye-to-eye on spending. She did not give him the same charge that Zeppos gave him. That caused stress. He eventually um, was run off. The university was looking to fire him for several weeks and then did so in February. Vanderbilt was then telling people it would have a national search. We don't have any evidence that it did. It is now settled on the same person that it didn't deem qualified to interview a year ago. Um, my understanding is she's tried to get jobs other places, and that never happened. Uh, and you look at the university press releases, and I think these are kind of important. The university has started to write a lot of stuff for athletics. And as a professional writer, I know that the inverted pyramid is what writers use. You put the most important stuff at the top, the things that you really want people to notice, because they may not read down the article further. So you start with the most important things, You go to the next most important and so on. Read the university press releases, especially the ones regarding her, because I think they tell you a lot of what you need to know and a lot of where winning fits in that pecking order, George. Wow. What a timeline. Uh, You forget all the stuff that went on that has led to this. And, you know, I know you're getting this question a lot. I've gotten it some how do we think she's going to do? And the truth of it is, it's a lot like trying to analyze all the coronavirus stuff. We don't know. Um, she probably doesn't know um, at this point because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a moving target right now. There are so many issues. How you start to prioritize at the moment what it is you want to do I think would be really hard. You always hear this thing about the first hundred days of somebody's tenure. Well, the first hundred days in this case, you know, are going to be spent in coronavirus protocols and all that kind of stuff. And are we going to play football? And if we don't play football, you know, what sports die because of that? I mean, it's a, God, it's a mess. Well, the hope for her is that she gets along really well with the administrative faction of Vanderbilt. She's good friends with Brett Sweet and Susan Wente and probably Eric Kopstein as well. Those are the three people in Kirkland Hall that control the power there and control the agendas for things from what I have been told. So that's one thing. If she gets along well with those, the theory has always been that it might be easier for her to get stuff done. But it's kind of like that old saying that I don't want to be part of a club that would have me as a member. 
you sort of translate that to Vanderbilt Athletics, and sort of, in a way, anybody that takes that job is almost under a cloud of suspicion because those folks are going to have a big role in picking her. And if the same people who have not taken care of the athletic department pick a person, uh, then I think that raises a whole set of questions that the fans have already been asking. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear this thing that she's got a better shot of getting things done than some predecessors, and that may well be the case. Only time's going to tell. It's a little bit sad that, you know, you have to have that sort of that asterisk by it that, you know, she might have a better shot because you would hope that all of these things would get done because it's it's right, it's what you should do for the student athlete, and that the motto would be if you're going to be a great school, you're going to be great at everything, including athletics. It hasn't worked that way at this school. And I think really the, the one difference between now and years ago is for the fan base, it's no longer a question. They've figured it out. They kind of know once and for all until they see some radical change that up at the top, uh, this is not a big priority. The one thing I will say for her, and again, I wish her best. I don't have anything against her personally. I have the same questions about her qualifications that everyone else does, and I look at the people they could have had, and there's just no comparison. I mean, you are what your resume says you are, and there are people out there that have done the AD job and done it well that were interested in talking to her, uh, and she just doesn't have those things on her resume. She ran the AD for two years, well, not quite two. I think it was more like a year and a half, and that happened to coincide with the time period where everybody inside McGugan got so frustrated that that's when everything leaked out to the paper. She was running the AD at the time. Whether that was her fault or she just took over within where that got to a critical mass, I don't know, but I think that's interesting to note. She's never run an AD outside of Vanderbilt, She's got three degrees from the university. If someone put it to me, they have hired a person with a doctorate in higher ed to run the athletic department. Maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, but it is what it is. But the one thing, I don't want to say I give her credit for this. Uh, I sort of do, but you can't really give somebody credit until they have accomplished what they have set out to do. She has put herself out there, and she has talked about transparency and that the school has not done a good job about being transparent. I give her at least some credit for the self-awareness uh, to go out and put herself out like that. Now, she has not really told us a lot yet, so that's why I say I, I don't want to go on praising her with that until we see what that looks like. But she did at least put herself out there and put a little bit of a target on her back by coming out with that. And I just look at Vanderbilt and its transparency and I look at how many times it has lied to fans or just been intellectually dishonest. I think that says a lot about people and their character uh, and a lot about how they feel about their fan base. And I do hope that she can reverse the trend at Vanderbilt where they just do not give a rip about their fans. And I don't think they seem to feel bad about lying to them or misleading them. So I'm hoping that what she said publicly back in the winter is going to be an emphasis in how she leads because, man, that is sorely needed. Chris, I don't think she'd mind uh, 
my saying this Friday, I had a brief conversation with her and near the end of it, you know, we got to talking about the fact both of us went to school there and she said, do you have any advice for me? And I said, you know, if I was going to give you one piece of advice, uh, because one of the things that, that she has as a positive, she can be a really good communicator. Um, she also at times, uh, doesn't really tell you a whole lot, uh, for reporters that's frustrating. Um, David Williams, incredibly good. And so one of the things that, that I brought up, I said, you need to sort of assign somebody in the athletic department. Once we get through the whole coronavirus cloud that we're under, to basically get you to any and every civic club, you know, within shouting distance that'll have you. Because if you think about it, David Williams did none of that. Really, the face of athletics, for the most part, has been Tim Corbin, uh, just because he's been willing to be that kind of person, and he's extremely good at it. He's a great motivational speaker. As, as anybody who's listening to this already knows. But you have to go back to Gordon Gee as chancellor to find anybody who would get out and mix and mingle at all with the public. Um, you've had coaches who have blown off what I think is an important uh, ingredient in all of this, uh, which is you got to get out, you know, you got to shake hands, kiss babies, uh, spread the word of whatever it is you're trying to spread. And I'm hopeful that she'll listen to that because I think it's one of the areas that they have been as close to zero as you can get over the last, let's say, five-year period. Yeah, and the other thing I would say to that, back to the transparency thing, right? David Williams always, I don't think David did a very good job, especially his last few years, but David seemed to have his hands tied. I remember the whole thing in, I guess it was 2016, where he said, there's more support here for a stadium internally than there's ever been. I don't think that was true at all. I think that was David trying to get Kirkland Hall to budge and to sort of put its feet to the fire. And just one of the many things it just shows you how hard it is at Vanderbilt to get things done but I think if they are really interested in transparency and again this is where she's friends with these people so maybe she can get this done where others haven't I think they should have a large press conference where they they give us her they give us the new chancellor they give us the three in power at Kirkland and let them sit up there and, and let's field questions about fundraising and fundraising matching and what's hands-off for donors and those sorts of things. And finally, once and for all, be transparent. And instead of ducking the media at every opportunity from an administrative standpoint, talk to people and tell them the truth and answer our questions and tell us how things work. Now, if she could get that done, that would really be, 
I don't want to say it's groundbreaking because I wouldn't put it past Vanderbilt to tell us things and not follow through on them, but if they really want transparency, I think that would be a step, is let us talk to the people over her head, too, because they have really not wanted to deal with the media or tell us much of anything for several years now. Yeah, I guess the cynical side says, look, good luck on that one. Uh, but you're right that, you know, some of that uh, would go a long ways. You know, one of the things, obviously, when you read this story from an ESPN or one of the national deals, it's the fact that, you know, she's the first uh, female minority athletic director in the SEC. And so with that comes some real responsibility uh, socially as well, because if she were able to move mountains that other people before her have not, you would figure that would start to open the door uh, for more minorities to have a chance. And you look all over sports right now, and that's a big discussion. The NFL has spent weeks, you know, having to acknowledge that the Rooney rule is a complete joke and they've tried to overhaul it. She's in one of these positions right now where not only does she have a responsibility to try to do the best for Vanderbilt, but also to try to open doors uh, as the first female African-American athletic director in the Southeastern Conference, that if she can get some things done, boy, she could move some mountains. She could, and I think that is... If you're looking for a silver lining, this potentially, um, I seem to find these silver linings for Vanderbilt, they seem to disappear pretty quickly. That's just been the recent history. But as people have told me internally over there, and you see it publicly too, diversity and inclusion is basically on every piece of communication that the university releases internally and externally. And so they've propped her up. They want her to succeed, or they at least want to get good publicity for making that hire. They're going to look pretty bad if she has a bad tenure and doesn't get anything done. I mean, at least that's the way I see it. They may not care about those things, but that's where there may be a silver lining is I think that they would be more vested in her success than maybe anyone else that they could have hired. It's a good point. Um... You know, I've thought for a while, for instance, um, on the football stadium, I've thought for, you know, a few months now that the whole coronavirus and the aftermath of it will give Vanderbilt as a school the perfect opportunity to continue down the road of Dudley Field as we know it today. Um, You know, I wonder about that. My suspicion is that's off the table. Whether it really was ever on the table, who knows? But there are other things, uh, certainly, that can be done that have been discussed. Um, a couple of them might be discussed today at 3.05 uh, when we get her on the show. She's just got a mountain of problems to deal with. Um, the, you know, you've pointed out repeatedly the whole Derek Mason situation. There's a lot of money involved in a buyout. And this is where, this is one of these areas where college athletics, I think, is about to really change because 
if you're a head coach on the power five level, if you've already negotiated in the last year or two a monster deal for yourself, you're probably in pretty good shape. But for somebody who's, you know, day of negotiating is going to happen now or in the next year and a half, good luck. You know, it, it seems like and it feels like you're going to be taking 40 cents on the dollar. But going back to Mason, he's got big buyout that you have uh, you've brought that up repeatedly. And you've got a fan base that at this point doesn't really believe in him. And you've got an attendance problem that, you know, goes through the roof. And now all of a sudden, an older fan base has an excuse to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable going even if I want to uh, with the whole coronavirus stuff. And none of us know where any of this is going. Uh, We think we've got a few ideas. Chris, I know one of the one of the things they're really worried about in the college athletic world um, is the idea of starting the football season and then having to junk it, you know, in midstream. And then what do you do? Do you pick it back up in the in the spring? Um, You know, what about bowl games and national championships and all that stuff? I mean, we don't have the answer to any of this stuff. I have wondered, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you're going to be stuck hearing this. If they are all that worried about this thing, you know, having a second wave and in the middle of college football season, you're having to basically pull the plug. I wonder if anybody has talked about the possibility with the athletes already on campus, as it looks like they're going to be here in the next, you know, couple of weeks. If you're better off starting the season around August the 15th and basically mandating that all of the games be at night, some of them would be on Saturday night, some of them would be on Sunday night, so the networks, you know, wouldn't get robbed of of what their contracts state, but that instead of starting either September 29th or September 5th, that you already may be three weeks into it um, at what is supposedly a lesser time for the virus during, you know, warm and hot weather. So that's my little little theory. Uh, Worthless as it may be, I have put it out there podcast. Well, I have heard worse ideas floated. I've always thought that this idea of starting in October was a bad idea because everybody, again, is fearful of a resurgence of the virus. The thought has been that warmer weather will kill it, that late fall, winter is when it would thrive the most. So to me, pushing the season back, and I think my kids are throwing a fit in the background. I hope you guys can't hear that. But... I think that pushing the season back never made sense to me for those reasons. I think if you pull it back to mid-August, that does make sense to me. My question is, do you leave the games from September on where they are and take the back end of the schedule and bring that to the front? In which case, you know, Vanderbilt, Tennessee may be played August the 24th or whatever that date is. Uh, You know, I, I don't know how, if it would be easier 
to slide everything back a couple of weeks or if it would be easier to leave everything where they are. And what I'm thinking with this is that schools may have already made reservations for hotels and things like that. So if you're taking a road trip, um, might be easier for everybody to just leave what you have where it is and take the end of the season and bring it into August rather than moving everything back. I don't know if that makes any sense, but Man, that's the world we live in right now where just everything is complicated. Well, one of the things I've been told is that there was a lot of confidence a couple of weeks ago that all this was going to start on time and everybody was kind of drinking the the same Kool-Aid. And then all of a sudden, the governor in California put that thing out there where, you know, the, the schools are not going to allow students on campus during what would be a fall semester in California. And I'm told that that has thrown a big monkey wrench into a lot of this because, you know, what does that do with the PAC 12? I mean, what does it turn into? Is it the PAC three? You know, I heard somebody bring up the idea that the the PAC 12 and the, the mountain West perhaps, you know, uh, join together for a year as all this goes on. I mean, th- there's all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's a it's a moving target because, you know, every day you hear something new. It's like the whole baseball thing. Um, you know, I find myself in a complete roller coaster ride uh, as a baseball fan because, you know, you hear something one day and you get excited and you say to yourself, hey, if I can have baseball by July 1st, I'll, I'll make this work. Um, then the next day you hear something and you're like, they're never going to play. Uh, you know, 2020 is going to be the year uh, that, uh, you know, nothing happens. Who knows? I mean, I, I hope I've gotten to a point where I'm not in quite the emotional roller coaster of sports that I feel like I have been um, just waiting for some piece of good news. There are so many hurdles in each one of these sports, NBA, NHL, college football, NFL. The one thing I am positive of is that if college football does not play in the fall, you take this to the bank. The NFL will swoop in and they will have a triple header on Saturday uh, for national TV purposes, followed by the normal Sunday card. And I'll guarantee you in the NFL offices, they have already got it out there, you know, penciled in, just waiting to see what college football is going to do. Because the NFL probably is going to play on time because they don't need the fans. They've got the TV contracts that guarantee that they'll be okay. They just simply want to play games. Yeah, the NFL would be interesting if it did that. To the California thing – Maybe everybody just plays real football and the California schools play virtual football. I mean, there's been a lot of that going on anyway. It's a great idea. I nominate you as commissioner of something. Yeah, just pick a representative from your school who's good at video games and duke it out that way. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, I mean, you think about the stuff we're putting out there. And we could have never dreamed as the new year started that we would ever be dealing with this kind of stuff. It, it's just, I mean, it's just, 
Yeah, I don't think we'll ever go through I anything. I kind of left you there, didn't I? Well, no, the connection went bad. That's my fault. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – it seems like we have the same points on every podcast every week. It all goes back to where's this headed next. Yeah, and nobody knows. Um, you know, I feel I feel bad for the people that are trying to navigate through all this. Um, you know, you see – a list of programs already that have bit the dust. I had John Steinbrecher, who's the commissioner of the uh, MAC and, and a really good guy. He used to run the OVC and I had him on Friday to talk about the, the changes and the eliminations of things that they've done. And the first thing out of my mouth, I said, John, I've known you for a long time. This has not been your happiest moment. And he was like, good Lord. No. He said, you know, when you're talking about, having to get rid of programs and what that does to kids who have planned their college experience around this. I mean, it's, it's just a very sad situation. And I think as time goes on in particular, if there's no college football in the fall or God forbid, we have no college football at all. I think the, the number of sports at schools that goes by the wayside is going to be staggering. Yeah, and the sport, and look, I feel sorry for anybody who loses a career or a scholarship because of what is happening, but the sport I think that is really going to feel the brunt of this the most is baseball. You have seen, what was it, Furman and Bowling Green cancel baseball, I want to say. Were those the two schools? Yeah, and and I'll – I'll, I'll throw this in. It would not shock me if Bowling Green ends up rescinding what they've done because they've had a group of angry baseball alums. That's a, that's a program that's got some history. Uh, I've got a buddy that played there. And so I know a little bit about it and they're, you know, they, they have been busy trying to raise the money to get this done. But to go back on, on where you're going, Eric back Eric Backich at uh, Michigan led this committee that is about to propose that the season get pushed more into a mid to late March with the end of the College World Series being more mid-July, that kind of thing. And I'm all for it. I've thought for a long time that that needs to happen. Um, I think what you're seeing is the college baseball world kind of saying, okay, we're not going to waste any time here. We know what the new norm is going to be. And the new norm is you better break even or start to make a little bit of money or you may be gone. And that's what's going on here is that, you know, the ability to start playing, you know, conference baseball games in May and June gives even the Northern schools a much better shot um, of being able to, to, to get it done. I don't know the numbers, but I'm guessing there are not 25 programs in the country on the NCAA Division I level that make money. Probably the schools out West and some of the SEC schools uh, are, are where the profit, any, any amount of profit is. And so kudos to the baseball people, because it seems to me that rather than just sit there and go, woe is me, 
that they're getting out there and being proactive and saying, look, we're going to figure out a way to make some money. Yeah, a lot I want to respond to there. First of all, to Bowling Green, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if there were a groundswell to bring that back. I did not realize Bowling Green had had as many successful major leaguers as it has had. I don't remember that whole list, but I remember Oral Hershiser was on there. That surprised me. I did not realize that's where he had gone to school. So certainly I would think that Oral made a good bit of money in his career and could contribute financially towards something like that. To the package thing, George, I've always thought that something along those lines was a good idea. First of all, the Northeastern and the Northern schools are at a big disadvantage. They're having to play a month or six weeks on the road before they can play a game in their ballpark. Even when they play games here, I mean, really, unless you get to Florida, it's going to be cold. I have sat out or sat in the press box at many a Vanderbilt game with temperatures in the 30s and 40s. And not only is it not a pleasant experience for the fans, but just the baseball is not usually that good that early in the year. I mean, you see some good baseball in these tournament games in warm-weather cities at that time, if it's a Vandy, Michigan, or something like that. But most of all, if your experience with college baseball and your exposure to it is watching February baseball, it's going to leave you with an impression that is not consistent with what the game is. I think by the time those teams hit May, uh, people are playing pretty good baseball. They have hit their stride, those sort of things. So I think that that gives baseball an opportunity not just to move out of that part of the season where it just doesn't make sense to play, but you also give college sports fans something to follow past the 4th of July, and then by the time it ends, you got fall camp. So – you see what the NFL has done with making its sport a year-round game. You've got the draft, or you always have something to keep the NFL in the news. I think if you're college sports, you can do the same thing with moving the season back. And my guess is they're going to do that. One of the things that you have heard for years, and I can remember going back as far as talking to Coach Newton about this, CBS had this big mandate to the NCAA that was you have got to have the basketball tournament done essentially by the end of March or the first weekend in April, depending on how the calendar fell. And it had to all be based on the fact that CBS wanted a clear window for the Masters. And I think that's one of the things that quite possibly could get blown away through all of the the coronavirus stuff. Uh, There's a real shot that college basketball is going to take an even bigger backseat right now to football, just simply because football is where most of the revenue is uh, that funds all these other programs. So I could see a scenario in particular in 2020-21 where the NCAA basketball tournament extends well past what it has been, uh, maybe to the point of bypassing the Masters. I I don't know how they would do it. But I know in the past, that's one of the reasons that it's always been March Madness instead of April Agony has been CBS's refusal to come off the, the open window for the Masters. Back to baseball, one other thing I wanted to hit was the opportunities are just shrinking for players in general. You've got the minor leagues being shrunk by 40 teams. 
you've got the draft being shrunk basically by a factor of, what, 80-something percent this year. You're going to have the logjam of high school players and returning seniors and juniors at the college level next year, not to mention the shrinking programs. That's a sport where I just worry about its future in general, and that's aside from this nonsense that the players and the owners are going through right now where they can't find a time to play, even though I think that's going to be, I don't want to say fatal to the sport, but you've got a looming collective bargaining agreement coming up at the end of 2021. I just see a collision event of events here that's it's just not good for the sport as a whole. Yeah, and, and so let's, let's maybe take it one at a time. MLB's decision to try to contract I think it's like 40 minor league franchises is to me really sad because what it, what it goes to the heart of is stories like the Durham bulls. Um, you, you've got a bunch of little towns in our country that really look forward to the minor league baseball season, because that's a big deal in their community and major league baseball is just, it appears going to come in, and just, you know, dust it off, put the vacuum cleaner out and just say, you know, you no longer exist. Well, I've wondered about this because I've got a couple of friends that, uh, that own minor league baseball franchises. And I wonder, you know, they've paid whatever it is they've paid for the right to own these things. And now do they get declared worthless? Does MLB have? have to go in and set because they've been promising. Then you've got the players who have gotten totally screwed in this deal. You know, you, you chronicled exactly what the number, you know, the, the we're now in a five round draft. And if you look through the history of baseball, tons of great players have been drafted past the fifth round. And for Major League Baseball to just blow that away, to me, is stupid. Uh, I, I think they're making a lot of stupid moves. And then the third one you brought up, which is the obvious, if the players and the owners don't come to an agreement, and yet the NHL and the NBA do, it's going to be a huge black eye. And, you know, if you're going to put your money down in Vegas, you're going to put it down that says, yep, this is going to lead to a strike at the end of the 2021 season. And oh, by the way, that will be the big talk when the, uh, the winter meetings convene in Nashville at the end of 2021. I mean, think about that. That's all anybody's going to talk about. The looming strike. Such a shame. Well... <laughs> And I say this as a baseball first guy. If you're just ever under any circumstances betting on any of the major sports to screw something up the most, I would always bet on baseball. Absolutely. Because there's a history of it. First of all, and this is, I guess, part of what I don't understand is that there's a history of animosity between the players and the owners. And yet, if you look, baseball salaries are doing really well. 
Um, now, we're also at a point where the owners are doing considerably better than they have done over the years. This is no longer, as most of you know, this is no longer a $10 ticket. Baseball used to be able to hang its hat on the $10 ticket, and it was the sport that virtually anybody could afford. That's not the case anymore. Ticket prices, for the most part, are about four to five times higher than that anywhere you sit in a stadium. And so I guess the players have seen all this and they want more and blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is that the public doesn't want to hear this right now. They do not want to hear the billionaires and the millionaires bitching at each other while, you know, unemployment in our country is, you know, somewhere around 20%. It's just not a good look. George, let's knock out a mailbag quickly. I think this will be a short one. Let's do it. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt Fan, Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Josh can take care of all your insurance needs. Give him a call today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about it here. Dorking wants to know if you get free Bowling Branch sheets for being a guest. Bowling Branch sponsors our guest line. I, uh, if that that is not happening, maybe we need to make that happen. Well, uh, what was the name of the uh, the the mailbag person? Uh, that's the the questioner was Dorking. 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 I'll leave it this way. I am getting compensated exactly the same way that Chris gets compensated for coming on my show. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the business of broadcasting. (laughs) Well, you've got your choice uh, of gifts. You know, on the major league level, they probably give you a gift that's worth 25 to 50 bucks, you know, for being the guest, the star of the game. In this deal, you've got a choice of, Best wishes for the upcoming season, or we're all pulling for you. Exactly. (laughs) And with that, George, I'll let you go. I know you've got show prep to do for today. Big interview with Candace Lee coming on your show. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Tell people where they can find you online, where they can find you on Twitter. Did you say show prep? I did say show prep. Oh, my God. Uh, Let's not go too Am I making assumptions? (laughs) Well, for 30 years, I've had a lot of fun with that the that word. Um, every uh, every afternoon, Monday through Friday, uh, 560 on the AM dial, 95.9 on FM, and um, you can hear us on the app. Uh, if you get out of range, just uh, go to Nash Sports Radio. And I do have a Twitter account, and it's um, George Plaster TN. And I almost forgot that, which is really a bad sign. That is a bad sign. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we appreciate you being on with us as always. Chris, uh, my pleasure, and I'm sure uh, you'll return the favor at some point if I can figure out when. You bet I will. He is George Plaster, the host of the two to four hours at Nashville Sports Radio. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. 
We're back with more podcasts coming later this week.